I am unashamed. What about you? I mean, Al, you're not, if you look over at, you know, the fellow staff members, they're not putting the time <laughs> in. Well, you got to understand that I've been doing this a long time. So there's a reason why that I'm doing a sermon series that coincides with a podcast series because I got triple action going here. Yeah. You know, because usually a preaching is a is a kind of a lonely business because it's just kind of your thoughts and the Holy Spirit and, and the Word of God. But it's kind of nice for me because I kind of got y'all to bounce stuff off of. Jace is doing some late night. I spend I at the most on notes before Sunday morning. I'll pick up my Bible. I'd say less than five minutes, 90, 90% of the time, 95. Yeah, and because your situation Sometimes 10 minutes. But your situation is unique because you're basically just given a different sort of version of the gospel every, every week time. because you got people coming in That's right. that are seeking and searching. So it's a little bit different setup. I'm in a situation where I got the, some of the same people I've been talking to for 30 years. Yeah. You know, it's hard to motivate people <laughs> that well, you've been talking to 30 years. people over 40. That's exactly right. They've heard a lot. So know? I had to come up with an argument, and it, and it was when I say, why, are you, why do you keep repeating the same thing? I said, I know what I sound like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, don't I? I said, the same story. You, you just went BCB, book yeah, chapter yeah, verse. And, and they all look, and I said, okay, you already know this. I said, but the person seated next to you is from Iowa. They've never heard this. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving it to yeah. you. I'm We're, giving it to them. We're representing God. You, Jesus is the image of God. You introduce Jesus to people who don't know him. That's now, it. I, I have learned from the Beatitudes after my conviction, which lasted a few hours, I thought, I'm not good at these these qualities. Yeah, this is something so I need to grow I, Yeah, I need to revisit. So I, I wanted to mention last time, but I decided to hold it to, to kick us off today, Jace, um, that those first four uh, Beatitudes. We're in Matthew 5, by the way, uh, if you're new to it. The last one, we kind of opened this up. And Jay's kind of broke it down that the first four are, is your heart to God, the first four of these Beatitudes, blessed are. And then the second half are to each other or other people, which we're going to talk about. But I, I thought about the perfect illustration, or I, I guess I should say example, of, a, of people that I observed this in. There's a lot of people. I've seen this in people, and usually it's older people, usually mature, mm -hmm. wise people. Mm -hmm. But one of our old mentors, Jay, is Carl Allison, his wife, Barbara. Both of them have fallen asleep in the Lord. They're waiting on the resurrection. Wonderful people. And when I, I was able to speak at Carl's funeral, and I said then, and I still it's still true to this day, that he's the best man I've ever known, mm -hmm. and including myself. And and uh, he, he was just a good man. He was solid. He was. He was a numbers man, which was funny. Because <laughs> right. I said one time, I know what your favorite book in the Bible is. <laughs> I've said that and too. He said, "What's that?" I said, "Numbers." He, he, he goes, but his you know what? Line hey. was always this line right here. But guys, the best days are yet <laughs> the to come. Best is yet to come. But you know what's funny? <laughs> he taught me something one time because I was making fun of him of keeping up with all the numbers. And uh, boy, he—that's why you got to be careful when you take on. <laughs> I think icons in the faith because boy he 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 made me speechless one time he said well brother because i was making fun of him yeah. about I was, he would do the count every monday like they would who was there the day before like, numbers are up you know and yeah. i was because in my mind i'm thinking does it really matter 
that we know all the numbers of all the groups? Because we meet in homes. There are meetings in outside an apartment, but he would gather all those numbers and, and he would say in, in meetings, Hey, the numbers are up you know, numbers <laughs> or are, the numbers are down. He's, so he's, yeah. he's the one that offered me some advice when I said, so Carl, just so you know, you're older than I am. I said, so when does this sex thing just play out? <laughs> oh, boy. And he looked at me, he said, brother, you're going to ask someone older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's Then what, he came back with a, hey, hey, Phil, just because there's snow on the mountain doesn't mean there's not fire in the furnace. Yeah, that was his line. Yeah, so I said. made some joke about numbers, and he went, oh, 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 you know, and then he said, well, brother, do you know how Jesus knew that he had lost the one sheep. And I was just perplexed with that question. He said, because he counted them. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I never heard that before. I said, touche. Well played, sir. <laughs> you know, so, we never, you never hear that in the sermon. He's got 99. Yeah. He lost one. Well, how'd he, how'd he, he know he hadn't counted the hundred? How'd he, he know he lost one? Well, he was sitting there counting them. <laughs> That's I right. look forward to running with Carl Allison once we get in the, the immortality. So, state. so I wanted, so uh, now that we're kind of just uh, telling a little bit about him, Carl was a, he's a man's man. He was an all American football and baseball player at the University of Oklahoma. Yep. He's been recognized as one of the top 100 players in the history of the University of Oklahoma. Amazing. Which is pretty amazing. All-American. He was a catcher. He had offers from the Chicago Bears, New York Yankees, to go either professional sport. Turned him down because he had married Barbara, and they had their first son, Dirk. And he said, you know what? If I go play pro ball, I, it probably won't turn out well for me spiritually. And so instead, he went and started the first football program. That was one of the reasons I didn't pursue it. You know, he right. was the dean at the school that Al and I went to, the Bible school. Yep. And I'm not going to lie, because I had I was the only troubled student out of the four classes, freshmen, sophomore, <laughs> juniors, and senior. I spent more time in the dean's office. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, Phil, even though he was showing me love and stern grace and <laughs> mercy, <laughs> I could see it in his eyes a few times. I knew what he was thinking that he, at that moment, he wanted to line up <laughs> and just stick his shoulder right in my chest yeah. and send me through that wall. And he could have done it. At that, at that, so, you remember days when we were, you and I were late because we were driving in from out here. So we kind of got in a little pattern there. We were just, we, because chapel was where you went first. And we were slipping into chapel. We were just like five minutes late there, about two or three times. Old Carl called us both in. He said, uh, yeah, I've been noticing you boys been a little late coming into chapel. He looked at Jace. He said, you got some water in your alarm clock down there on the river? <laughs> I remember what he said that day. He said, let me tell you, if you leave at a time where a red light could determine whether you're on time or late, you're leaving way too late. <laughs> His philosophy was it's better to be an hour early than a minute late. So, Carl, the reason I bring him up, obviously we love him. His daughter uh, was my administrative assistant at the church for 15 years, and she's still there. She's wonderful. But the reason I want to mention them is because I looked at that, Jace, when we were going through this, the, the last podcast, poor in spirit, mm-hmm. meaning Jesus first. That was he and Barbara. Meek, absolutely, but strong. I mean, mm-hmm. meek doesn't mean weak. That's right. Very strong. 
And then this one about mourn and then hunger and thirst for righteousness. When uh, So Carl, I, I'm not sure how old he was, but his second son, Darren, who you coached and taught, Dad, when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. he got married, had a baby girl, and one night they were he and his wife were killed in a car wreck. Terrible. Uh, back in the early 80s. And so Kellett tells the story. He he went over when he found out Jim Moran came to him, which is another one of our elders, and said, we got to go over and talk to meet a state trooper at Carl and Barbara's house because Darren and Susan have been killed. And and we're going to tell him. Of course, Kellett's the youth guy. You know, he's young. And he's, the baby survived. The baby had, survived. Yeah. And so they show up over there. The state trooper comes. Carl and Barbara don't know anything yet. They're in their house. So the state trooper comes in with, with Jim Moran, Mike Kellett, and tells them that their middle son, who was, I think, around 30 at the time, late 20s, and his wife were killed in a terrible car wreck in Mississippi. And, but the, their granddaughter had survived, although she had broken her hip and some legs, and so she had some injuries. And Mike says, as soon as he said it, of course, Barbara began to cry and weep, because I thought about this mourn. And Carl didn't cry, but he just put his arm around her, and he said, well, Barbie, this is what we raised him for. Because he's, he, we know he made it. He's in heaven. And I just thought in that moment to get that word, that news about your son and daughter-in-law, I thought that's how I want to mourn. I mean, of course yeah. you're sad. You know, you've lost your yeah. son. But at the same time, he didn't have any doubts that heaven was real. And that's what it was all about. So I thought about, I thought about him. It never slowed him down one bit. Never did. He never felt sorry for himself. I never saw he and Barbara do anything except well, continue to be. Blame God or, <coughs> right. you know, it's like, that's why when you're around people who are more mature in the faith like him, they, this, these are not just words on a page or something you're a part of to make you feel better. I mean, Jesus's resurrection, you could tell, was real to him. I mean, he, he had thought about it on a daily basis, or you wouldn't have that response. Right. That's you know? exactly right. And, and I'll say this. At to, the end of anybody's day, that's all you have. So I'll say this. So so when Carl was about to pass away, and so I went over to see him. He was He was in his bed at his house, and I think he only lived a day or two more after this conversation. But I went over. And he was still lucid, you know, but he was he was he was waning. He was ready to go, and I left there super encouraged. He did just what he always does. You guys are going to take it to the next level. Best is yet to come. We help let you lay the foundation. You know, he said, just build on what we did. I mean, I left out of there. He had had me. I went to encourage him, like you know, oh, yeah. and then he encouraged me. That's mm-hmm. the way I was with Kathy Freeman, you know, a couple of years ago because yeah. I thought. We were, Missy and I was fixing to go in there, and they're like, she literally has hours. And I thought, boy, this is, you know, what am I going to say? I don't, this is going to be tough. And and so when we walked in, she said, come over. And she said, I can't get up. She was, she was laying in her bed. She said, y'all come, come beside me. And so we just piled up, you know, <laughs> right next to her in the bed. And she took over the conversation. She's like, I just want you to know, I'm just, I'm filled with joy because my kids are, have found Jesus, and yep. here's what I would like to happen. I mean, she just had everything lined out and was genuinely excited. Yeah, she's like, this is, this is where I want to be, and and I think I've accomplished, you know, 
through Christ everything I could. And this is a, this is a and then she asked, day. <laughs> and she asked you to do her funeral. Well, yeah, I didn't like that part, but <laughs> Jason never done a funeral. Yeah. And, uh, which was one of the toughest things I had to do, but, but it really, I felt at peace after seeing her boldness, Yeah, you know, in death, I thought, well, who am I to say that, you know, I'm not, She's she. It's the plan. She's like, this is the plan. That's what you're, you're doing. doing. The funeral because there are a lot of people going to show up that don't know Jesus. I would like for you to share that with them. That's that's kind of your lane. That's right. And so and I'm. You like, had helped lead her to Christ and been a okay. part of her kids. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's, what's amazing about that funeral, Jason? Is of course you did great, and and so did her son who spoke. He did, and was just and it just blew me away. You know, because I, I mean. He far exceeded. I, I was thinking what it's going to be, but he he did awesome. I mean, he just totally he honored really his did. mom. Well, he told me, you know, the night before, he was like, "Well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say anything." I was like, "Okay, that's fine." And so it's that classic deal about the next day we get there, and I'm I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna." I was talking to him, and he's like, "Well, I've decided." You know, I'm going to do it. Then he pulled out and he had like eight pages of notes. <laughs> you know, like, well, I guess if I must. Uh, but, Normally uh, I don't talk, but, you know. Yep. And uh, it was really it was moving, heartfelt. And uh, so, yeah, it was awesome. It was real. But I, I think those are real. The reason I wanted to bring those up, and I'm glad you brought up Kathy too, and we've seen this. So the, when we read these passages and they're kind of, you know, they were written thousands of years ago, but we all see people that live this way. Yep. Yeah. Consistently. And so, and that's a, a totally encouragement. It's, it's something you got to be looking for and something you got to be searching for. And you got to realize Jesus, there's one prerequisite to following Jesus. And he proves it on the Sermon on the Mount. You got to be searching. Because a lot of this just seems so contrary to everything that's going on in the world, and especially in this Jewish setting. Here he's come to fulfill the law like bring it to another level in love yeah you know that people are more important than rules or procedure well these people it's turn turn them on their head so you got to be searching and figuring out what the problem and, and, is and that's exactly what he did before we take a break i'll remind you to rate review and share on all our social media platforms that helps out the podcast so be sure and do that let's take a break So, Jace, you probably didn't know this, but the average American has 97 points that they could add to their credit score, and they have no idea how to get them. Did you know that? Points are good, huh? Points are good. More points are better. That's that's the old, that's been around as I long as we need more been. points. So the data scientists at ScoreMaster uh, have cracked the code on how to add 97 points to your credit score. So it's really going to help you. You have to take out a loan. Um, it's going to help you save money in the long run because it's going to lower your interest rate the higher your credit score is. So that's one of the reasons you want to check these guys out. just takes a minute to get started. If you go to scoremaster.com slash fill, that's scoremaster.com slash fill, they're going to see how many points that they can add to your score. Because all of us know in times where interest rates are probably going to go up when you're worried about inflation and things like that, you need to be able to get the best possible rate that you can. So if you want to check them out, scoremaster.com slash Phil. So I, you know, my, my typical day yesterday, I went fishing over at Willie's pond. Cause I just, you know, I'm addicted to eating crappie <laughs> and I'm uh, so, so glad that he's stocked that pond. And 
I caught a crappie on the, literally on the first time I set it out. Bam. Almost a two-pounder. Well, the next time I throw it in there, it's about a three-pound bass, and it was hard for me to lift him over the bridge. I got a little bitty rod and reel that I'm catching these crappies. It's not designed for large bass, but but so when I I was kind of swinging him out in front of me, and I when I swung him over the bridge, he fell off, and so I threw him back. Well, then every time I would put it put it out, I got a little cork, and I got a jig. And so every time I put it out, I'd get a hit and I'd get the fish up and he'd come off. I mean, this happened for the next hour till slap dark. I mean, I bet I missed 20. I was like, I cannot figure this out. And so I had the one crappie on up, you know, I was going to put him on ice and maybe catch some more. So what, when I was going to put the hook, you know how you put your hook on the bottom it broke up. I, I, yeah, my hook was broke. When the bass, <laughs> when the bass fell off, it broke my hook. And so my my point is, I realized because I was fixed to go study this. I would have checked that after about number two. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have waited till twenty. Well, that's exactly what I was fixed to say. I was like, why didn't I stop? And and I was going to make this as a spiritual analogy. I wasn't searching the problem. I just kept looking, thinking, this is insane. How do I keep missing How do I keep missing? What is wrong By the time you got it corrected, they quit biting. Well, it was dark. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice it until I was putting it up. Well, I mean, usually your hook doesn't break off. Just think about that. That is rare. I mean, that's a rare thing. But I thought when I went back, I was like, well, I got my motivation tonight to tackle this Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Because I had skimmed it, and I thought, you know, I got nothing. <laughs> These are qualities that I struggle with that I think everybody does. And they're like, they're seemingly the opposite of the way we naturally react to things. So how do you practically do this? But Jase, you may have a good point when you said that, things you struggle with, because we get a lot of, you know, feedback from our audience. And they always say, well, I just, I want to be like you guys. I want to I want to be able to, you know, study like you study. I want to, you know, and they keep making it out like we've got this thing figured out, but we don't. And because anytime you approach a text, I'm always lacking. But I decided a long time ago, if I had to be, you know, perfect or had to be like on top of something I was preaching, I would never preach. That's right. Who could, who could preach well, and teach true. if you didn't have a, if you had it down? That's There's true. no having yeah. it down. You're There's always, no having it down in your struggles. But I will say this. You know, these are at you know somebody call them attitudes, and I think that's right. And and you're struggling, you're trying, and you're searching to put these things into your life through the Spirit. But I will say this: if you there's a lot of false teachers out there, and a lot of people are who are, who are not mature in the Word or in the faith. Yeah. You know, if you have a leader, when you watch their character or how they operate. And you start going down this list, and you're not seeing any of these qualities. Mm. It, it's a really good way. That's a great point. To, to look at somebody. I mean, there's a difference in struggling, being aware of your problems, and then having a guy who possesses none of these qualities. It's, it's a gauge who, of sorts. I, you know, I, I agree. I mean, because it really covers everything. I mean, you think about, you know, later on, you find out that some 
secret sin, you know, and you're like, well, he wasn't really hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He was hungry and thirsting for the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, right. So today we're going to look at the second half of the Beatitudes, which are just as challenging as the first half yep. of their relationship with God. But I did a little study on the first one because I thought this was my biggest struggle. Because look, when when you read this verse, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's just hard to be merciful, especially when somebody does you wrong. Yep. Yep. It's just hard to do. Now, you know, you tend to look at, I think this starts in like when people say, well, what does it mean to be merciful? I think most people think forgiving those who don't deserve it or helping those who can't help themselves. That's a, that's a pretty good idea of what most people think. But I think the more I study, there's way more to it than that. And I think, so here's the, here's the, um, internet definition, mercy, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mm. So, you know, just the word itself, they, it's phrased like, in other words, you extend to them compassion or forgiveness when they really, you could punish or harm them for what they've done. So yep. that's not a bad definition. So there's a lot of verses. I mean, I think the one thing is you got to realize that God is merciful. I mean, there are literally hundreds of verses and, and it doesn't just say he's merciful. There's a phrase that I kept seeing, which says God who is rich in mercy. So when you think about us being poor in spirit, it does coincide with God being rich in mercy, Yeah, which is awesome. And you, and you also got to realize that we all as humans, everyone past the age of a little kid needs mercy at some point in their life. Yep. So, you know, James addresses this. There's a whole section in James, but I'll just read this. James 2, 12 and 13 says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, which is in contrast to every other law that we know of, because guess what you have with the law system and any kind of nationalistic (laughs) judgment? No mercy. They worry about giving you mercy. And they're sure as heck not worried about giving you freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And then it says mercy triumphs over judgment, which flies in the face of everything that we really think that brings success. Because we're... You have to have, when it comes to laws and criminal activity, you have to have a legal system. Just imagine if we didn't have that, where punishment and judgment for your act wouldn't work. So then you say, well, how come God's mercy works in 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 this realm? So how, how would y'all answer that, just as far as an overview of God's well, mercy? Well, <clears throat> because in God's case, it, do, it still doesn't take away from that there's judgment. I mean, even though he's rich in mercy, he—it's also very clear that he's and also he, our judge. He, being God, had the authority, has the authority, right, to not extend mercy. That's you, right. You, here's the law. You know, the law was added so the trespass may increase. Right. We, we studied it in the Book of Romans. Yeah. In other words, in the law and everything about it, pointed us to the author of mercy. 
You right. know, that's in Galatians. Remember, he said the law was given for a reason. Right. It's to point us to Jesus. So you're no longer under the supervision of the law. Right. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's it's a wonderful thing. Well, my short answer, Jace, is that the the way everybody is rebellious toward God at some point in their the life. The way that God the Father still is able to extend judgment and mercy at the same time is he offered all the mercy through Jesus Christ, his son. Yep. Yeah. That was the way. That is so, correct. So, so if the sin is put on him, so then no matter where you and there, are. And there was a horrific price to be paid in order to be merciful. Part of himself became a human being and died. I mean, well, and I think in this context. When you look at the price, you know, what, what bought you. In our legal system, you know, it's all about what you can prove. You have representatives and, you know, some of them may be shady, some of them not, but it, you might have done it. You might have get get away with it. Right. You know, there, there's so many loopholes. But, but you God, got a high-dollar defense attorney well, to right. trying to make you look as best he can. Yeah, that's right. But with God's plan, well, he knows your heart. He knows what happened exactly. Yo, You're like, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. Oh, yeah, it was you. I saw you. I know. I saw the whole thing. And he even knew yeah. what, what you were thinking before you did it. <laughs> so you're you're so, never going to slip one by him. But Ta- that changes on, everything. Hang on, let's take a little break. So, Jace, I've noticed one of the things that uh, when you go to an airport or you travel, that almost everybody has earbuds now. Yeah. You know, in the old days, they would have like the cans, like we have the big old huge bows. But now everybody, I guess technology, everything's gone down to the smaller fitted in your ear yeah, kind of a thing. You know, listening to music, listening to podcasts, maybe listening to Unashamed, which would be really good. One of our sponsors is a company called Raycon, and they make really good uh, earbuds. They're most comfortable ones I've ever worn because sometimes some of them are bad about falling out. They give you three or four different uh, sizes to be sure and fit your ear uh, perfectly. So uh, you get eight hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life. There's a built-in mic so you can take calls, which is really good. They're half the price of other premium audio brands, so it's a good deal. And they come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. We like happiness guarantees. So check them out. Uh, our listeners can get 15% off if you go to buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash unashamed, buyraycon.com slash unashamed, save 15% and start hearing some good music podcasts. That changes everything. You're, you're not going to. When the one who extended mercy, that'd be Jesus. I mean, for, for, for him to. To be merciful, you would have had to been God, right? To to say, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you, right? Yeah. And really, the only way to miss the mercy is to miss Jesus. Oh yeah. I mean, now to me, people talk about how hard it is, but it's really not that hard. It's just a it's a hard decision to make. But the pathway to mercy is not that difficult if we're willing to be poor in spirit and allow Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to read this Ephesians 2, 3, because it kind of, you know, we were running around, verse 2, as members of the kingdom of the air, which is not God, you know, the evil one. And it says, verse 3, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, which there's the judgment. 
But verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, because I wanted to read one verse where it says, it says that hundreds of times, yes, but made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been been saved. So really, you when you go back to Matthew 5 and why Jesus is doing this, you know, he's setting a foundation to show and prove his love. Right. By saying, look, the law was intended for you to realize that you can't keep it. You you need you need help. You're gonna break God's law because that's what sin and if is. In your heart, you are <laughs> extending forgiveness. You would only do that if you were merciful. Without right. mercy, forgiveness, it doesn't come. It doesn't come. That's it's right. not there. That's exactly right. You're like, mm. you say, well, judgment. You like, if I'm just going to letter of the law for it to work, you say, be merciful. I'll forgive you. Right. Yeah. So that's and, why. And that's one of the hardest things for human beings to, to interact with each other to do. That's right. It's just, why don't you just, won't you just forgive them? Yeah. Whether or right. or or you begin you don't to realize what they did, you say, yeah. Well, you put conditions. What they did to Jesus. Remember when we were in Peter? It was I think it was in Matthew where Peter asked Jesus, he said, "How many times do we forgive, Lord? Three times, you know? Yeah, seven times. I mean, like there was yeah. a what's the number, the yeah. magic number? But then Jesus tells them a story about it's not about a number. Seven yeah. times seven. You can. It's not a number. That's yeah. right. Because they kept trying to make it back to a legal. That, this is how right. many that's times. Why, that, I know, think that's through, why in got, America you don't even get three strikes. No, no you get one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why then God set this up. You, you know, in Romans thirteen, He set up the governments and all. You can actually be a criminal, be locked up for the good of society, which we're all supporting. We support our, you know, police, mm -hmm. and yep. you mm -hmm. have to have this mm -hmm. in that's play. Right. But you actually can be free in Christ, which is our job. That's why we have prison ministries and while you're under things. lock and key. Yeah, I mean, God has provided this. You can be a captive in, in a nation, locked up, and still death row. Yeah, live through because of God's mercy uh, of surrendering in Jesus. But you're going to have to go back to where it started and have these types of qualities which have been absent, I will guarantee, is, is why you wound up there. You yep. weren't poor in spirit. You weren't mourning about anything except getting caught. That's right. Which, you know, masters of manipulation. So, so Jay, to that point, our, our old friend Randall, <coughs> who is does our prison ministry is at, from our church, he was in federal prison. for He was a drug mule. He was a trucker. So he's in federal prison in Oklahoma, and he comes to Christ, to your point. He finds mercy. And so he starts sharing with people. So he's sharing with this Mexican guy and, you know, just tell him about Jesus. And they had a really good conversation. This guy walks over to him. He says, why were you talking to him? He said, well, I was just telling him about Jesus, how much he changed my life. He seemed pretty open. He said, do you know who that is? He's one of the top cartel guys from Mexico. I mean, this guy, you don't even look sideways at this. He'll kill you, other people. And he was like, well, I just shared Jesus with him. This guy winds up coming to Christ, and he had no chance to get out. He should have never gotten out, but for some reason, he got out. They changed some whatever. He goes down and starts a church in Juarez, Mexico, 
And the cartel thought Where he had been busily running dope back in Now there. he started a church, starts preaching. All these people, thousand people come to Christ. The cartel thought he snitched. The only way he got out, how did he get out? They knew he had a double life sentence. So they kill him. He was martyred. This just happened last year. They yeah, martyred think- him in front of his church and in front of his church people. Killed him while he was there. While he was there, he he, he uh, Randall said he was singing when they killed him. So this is something like right off the pages of Acts. Yeah. And so the cartel thought, oh, we'll shut it down because we're taking, you know, we cut the head off this night. We show you we're in charge. Randall said that about 500 members when they killed him. He told me today two of his brothers have taken over the church. 1,500 people have now come to Christ. I thought, yeah. man, what a story. I mean, that that's the ultimate mercy story and how that the evil one sets out to destroy. But he says, nope, you can't kill what we're trying to do. That's right. I wrote down a few points about this merciful, but I thought we had to talk about that system there. But the first thing I wrote down was we're merciful with the little stuff. And what I mean by that is we all have – things about our personalities and, you know, especially when you get in a marriage context, you're, you're going to have to overlook certain things. That's right. And the verse I thought about was this in Ephesians four, when he said, Paul said, as a prisoner for the Lord. Now he was a, he was in prison because he was out sharing Jesus, but he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. And then he has these types of attitudes that we've been reading about. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. And then there's this phrase, bearing with one another. And I thought, what does that mean? Mm. There's where the little stuff comes in. That's exactly Cause, right. Because no matter what you do, and anybody's been married over a week. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Jason. <laughs> Realizes that somebody's gonna say a year at least. A week. He said a week. Well, because the honeymoon, the honeymoon week, everything pretty well goes smooth. Unless you have strep throat in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> there are exceptions to the week, but you realize that there are some days that no matter what you do or how your attitude is, it ain't gonna happen. You walk in and it's just not gonna happen. I mean, it, so you have to be merciful in those moments. And, and I mean these little things about it's just some, some your partner or your friend's going to have a bad day from time to time. We have a lot of interaction with the homeless where we meet. And uh, they're on the streets. And we, we marry some. And we give them enough money that they can, instead of their honeymoon being under an overpass, we we provide a like where they can go to a motel, and someone says, "Why would you spend that kind of time and effort with those people?" Yeah, well, look, because one, because, one, because all mercy people, triumphs over justice. Because all people are worth it. Let's take a break, Jeff. Well, I can say uh, this uh, sponsor is definitely one of my favorites because they have the most comfortable sheets that I've ever slept on. It's called Bowl and Branch. Jace, you're sleeping on some. Dad, you're sleeping on some. You didn't even know it, probably. Uh, my, yeah. You my, spend a third of your life in between the sheets. And yeah. you want them to be comfortable. I have no complaints. Dad likes his a little warmer. I like mine a little cooler. You know, everybody's kind of got their style that I like they like. cold. I do, too. Uh, these are, are uh, lightweight, 100% organic 
cotton, which is excellent for all seasons. Um, it was This company was founded in 2014 by a husband and wife team, uh, which is pretty interesting. Just kind of that Americana story, which I really like these guys. And it says here that three U.S. presidents are sleeping on bowl and bread sheets, so we're in good company. Uh, we like these guys. So check them out. You get them worry-free for 30 nights. You get free shipping and returns, but you're not going to want to send them back. Uh, our listeners get an exclusive 15% off your first order when you use the promo code Robertson. If you go to Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com, BowlandBranch.com, promo code Robertson, 15% off. Great night's sleep. Well, one of the points, I had this later, but I'll go it since you brought that up. One of the points was that mercy should be premeditated which is the opposite of premeditated murder. Great, great point. Yeah. But premeditated mercy. That's, that's the heart part in all this. Well, it, it's where you're looking for the outcast and the lonely, and because and, that's, that's right. what Jesus did. But the reason I bring this up, and I'm glad you brought up about the homeless, is that Matthew, who, let's face it, was an outcast. Yep. He's oh. a tax collector. And tax collector, the reason they had such a bad reputation is because they had so many kickbacks going on. You know, you basically are the representative. You were getting wealthy off of your job. Like, guess what? The Romans want 10, whatever the name of the denarii, and he goes and gives the Romans, you know, four, and he keeps six. And I mean, these people were just scoundrels. <laughs> yeah. But he was an insider first because he was from the tribe of Levi. That was his other name was Levi, which meant he was a Levite. So yeah. he was set apart to be a priest, but then... Became a tax He was legalistic well, to the core. Well, of his the being. reason I bring him up is because later on in Matthew 9, yeah, you say, What's this got to do with this mercy? As 9 9 says, Jesus went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew. Well, this is a guy writing a book, which is awkward. You know, he's awkward because he's put this in chapter 9. I'd have put this in chapter 1. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Follow me. And he told him, Matthew got up and followed him. And I read this in other translations, which I think is is really cool because this next verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, it says many tax collectors and sinners and some of the other uh, translations has were invited. You know, you know, sinners are in quotation marks. Yeah, you know? right. But it says they were invited and they came and ate with him and his disciples. And because I think that's a key word, because when you think, well, what are these what are, you, what are these people doing here? Well, you never would think that they would say, well, we invited them. That's right. I mean, you, you who who invites? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah. Which, Which then launches. The, that covers a lot of ground. Well, that yeah. launches a three-year battle mm -hmm. about this. I mean, 2,000 years later, that was my point a while ago. 2,000 years later, we've had more than one say, why? Why, yeah, do you why, food, why do you fool with them? Why would you well, invite you just, them? You know, like, when you uh, think about a pimp human or beings, a <laughs> drug pusher or, you know, all, all that, you're just like, well, nobody likes these people, and, which is that's right. fair enough. You get them but, out of jail and some, some of them said, so you're paying the bail to get them out? And the last brother we did that with, there's been a few of them, yeah, he said, I thought y'all forgot me. <laughs> yeah. I said, we didn't forget yeah. So look what he goes on to say. And he says this many other places, but he says on verse 12, here's my point. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But watch the next verse. But go and learn what this means. I, I love this. 
because he's looking at teachers of the law yep. and all these debaters, and he quotes this Hosea 6.6. 6. 6. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call or invite the righteous, but sinners. Well, that threw, turned them on their head. And, and, and really, when you think about this on what that verse means, it's like when you read Romans 12 and it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is your spiritual act of worship. But when you put it in context of this verse, it almost makes you think that being merciful is actually more important than worshiping itself. It is. Yeah. Basically, while you're there in uh, Matthew 9 there, it's not the hell. They said, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means, because it's a tough thing. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for yeah. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When Jesus says go learn what this means, yeah, that means... You you sh you should have a timeout. Plus, it doesn't come automatic either. But but to your point, it's though, it's a Jace, learning process. To your point, think about this. So he's speaking to these people who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of Israel. You're the ones you've studied it, you've done it, you've worshipped in the temple, all this stuff. He's basically saying you've missed the whole point because you're only concerned about people that look like you. Uh -huh. And so when I read that, Jays, I think about from Hosea's day all the way forward. So we're talking about hundreds of years. These people have gone to the temple and they've made their sacrifices, their goat, their lamb, their dove, their whatever it is they bought oh, to yeah. sacrifice. And yet their They're heart. They're saying that's it. That's it. They can walk out and have no mercy. I fulfill the law. And he says, you know what? I don't want the sacrifice. That's not what I, that's not why we designed that. I want your heart to be merciful. I want you to be like me. And so mm -hmm. that, to me, it was an, an indictment. When I read that, I thought, what an indictment on them. That's right. Because you should have been the ones leading Israel in this. Instead, yep. you didn't. Well, that's why he did this over and over. You remember the story? Because I think this comes under the category of you've got to love your neighbor. But what if your neighbor is not the same color as you yeah. or yeah. has done Horrible things, or whatever, whatever you can. We come still up with. have in America white churches and black churches mm -hmm. as the norm. I'm like, exactly. Out of all the places, you should not see that. It's the churches should I be agree. known for everybody being there. All people. This is exactly right. I agree. Well, you remember the story Jesus told about the guy. This is in Luke ten. You know, a man was going down from Jerusalem, Jer Jericho, and they stripped him and of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, then which, a, which meant, uh, Jay's that nobody passed him, but he, he moved over. Yeah. <laughs> he avoided, so it had to be right next to him. He avoided the wreck <laughs> and take, carnage. Let's take our last break. Well, then a Levite, when he came to a place and saw him, oop, Passed by on it, moved over. But a Samaritan, so why is he bringing up a Samaritan? Because you have people that are supposedly not supposed to associate with other people. He traveled and came where the man was. Well, he saw him, took pity on him. He didn't care who he was, where he was from. He went and bandaged his wounds, and he poured 
on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. He took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him until I return. And so Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of the robbers? And the reason I'm reading this is because what the expert in the it's law a, it's replied. A picture of mercy. He yep. says, the one who had mercy on him. Yep. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, it, that was a point that is, it's not just like something he threw in the beatitude. You see this over and over and over. He quotes that Hosea 6, 6 over and over. And to your point, the Samaritan reference would be to racial impurity because they had been taken away 700 years earlier and never were the same. They were occupied by you know another country. And so the Jews of southern Israel, Judea and Jerusalem, they looked up north to their neighbors and said, no, don't have anything to do with them because they're not pure like us. So it's, it's right to your point that the impure mm-hmm. person, and I say that in air quotes, is the one who offered the mercy and the sacrifice, which is yep. Jesus' hope. Exactly. Well, another one I wrote down is the merciful recognizes the source of the persecution. And you say, what do you mean? And I want to read this in 1 Timothy 1. I think this is really good. Because when you realize, even to go back to the, you know, a marriage situation where they might be having a bad day or whatever. In the world, you got to realize people who are doing all this persecuting and hurling abuse, and because there's a lot in here about falsely saying all kinds of things about you. Well, we have in First Timothy one, I think, a blueprint for how this happens. In verse thirteen, it says, Paul said, "Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor." And a violent man. So he brings up when he was the one hurling abuse on people following Jesus. I was shown mercy because, and he he puts down in here the, the source, because I was acting in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Well, then he goes on. And says this, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I was the worst. But for that reason, here's this phrase again, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. So that's what happens. You got to cut to the chase. The only way you're getting out of here is to be shown mercy. That's it. He we, said, we're all worst. in need of mercy. And he was saying, look, I was acting in ignorance and unbelief. Well, when someone persecutes you or falsely says something, instead of getting angry, you know, Ephesians 4, I think 30 says all that, get rid of all rage and bitterness and malice and because people are going to do you wrong. Yep. But it's instead be kind and compassionate. Y'all, y'all remember that phrase? Because you got to realize, what do hurt people do? They hurt other people. Yep. You realize they're ignorant. They don't believe. They don't know this. So you have to kind of go beyond what's on the outside. And okay, yeah, you're. And remember, Jason, the mercy is in Christ. Because look what he finishes that section out with in verse nineteen to Timothy. He gives him some instructions. He says, "Some have rejected these." 
and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them, Hymenus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Now, that shows you right there, there can still be judgment, but of people that cross a line, which they crossed, and yep. Paul said, look, the, these people are not doing us any good, so I, so I have said, away from us. It, so It happens among the faithful. It does. So it's really interesting that you can have a mercy base, but still have judgment, which is how we see God. He's always going to be perfect and righteous in his judgment, but he's also going to be merciful through Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've kind of combined a lot of these things as we talked about that I wrote down. But I think the point he was trying to make, which he's going to make, which is uncomfortable for people who are pharisaical and teachers of the law and even our modern religious kind of ritualistic type settings, is that Jesus put people over the law. That's why he had all these moments where he healed people on the Sabbath. And he's like, well, man was made for the Sabbath, not Sabbath for man. And, you know, they're out there picking grain, you know, on the Sabbath. Well, they were hungry and he, he took up for them. And so all these situations that happen, well, that trickles down to us. And you realize, you know what? People are going to make mistakes. People may be ignorant of, you know, I remember when I was in Israel and I get on an elevator and I'm like, this thing something's wrong with this elevator. And, you know, it would go to the next floor and the door would open. There was nobody there. It was like, you know, 12 floors. I'd go to the next floor. It would open. I was just getting so frustrated. Well, by the time I got to whatever I was doing and got back, I went over to the desk. I was like, hey, somebody, this button is stuck. And so my friends I was there with, they were like, no, today's the Sabbath. Because the reason it did that, because if you p had to push the button, you would be working on the Sabbath. You are kidding. <laughs> yeah, but look, I've lost my mind because <laughs> I'm stopping because I, I was ignorant of what was going on. I'm mad over something that now I'm really mad over because I'm like, Jesus put that on the cross. And they're like, yeah, but we don't believe that. <laughs> and so... It just shows you how there was no mercy from my end or their end, but I sympathize. You know, and that wasn't like that was hundreds of years ago. I mean, that was a couple of years ago. I was all, they're still doing that. <laughs> you can't push a button on the elevator on the Sabbath because it, it's right back to the you not helping the ox out of the ditch, and the, you know what I'm saying. It's the same. It's just a new set of rules and examples. But you're talking about frustrating. Oh, oh my goodness! So I got to give them mercy because they're not giving people mercy because right. they're under a legal law system. But guess what? Everybody's mad. Everybody's angry, <laughs> judgmental, and bitter. Yep. <laughs> and I know that's wrong. So my point is that mercy, you're, you're going to have to, that being premeditated about it, especially when the on the little stuff with your marriage and all, you're going to have to have a plan for that because your nature is not to be merciful. That's right. And it's going to lead then to the rest of the things. You mentioned understanding where persecution comes from, but also the two we didn't talk a lot about, purity, pure in heart. In other words, I, I want to be the real deal is what I would call that. And then, of course, he says a peacemaker. So if you're going to tend, if, you, if mercy rules, you're going to tend to be much more at peace with people than at war with people. That is true. Which is yeah. what you were describing. Well, I think that pure in heart. Which it is I, much needed. Yeah, I think that pure in heart, you know, you get in difficult situations and 
If your heart is trying to help other people on purpose, no matter what the situation is, there's something about that that's a calming, you know, yep. just aura in all kinds of conflict. I mean, that doesn't mean you're going to get it right, or you know what exactly the answer is. But if you think, you know, I'm going to put God first, and I'm going to love you, and let's sit down and just say, how how can we help this situation? There's something about that purity of heart that I I, I believe is what God is after. Exactly. You know? And I think that's, that's exactly where Jesus is going to go with the rest of this sermon. Everything after this is going to be a comparison between people who live by law and self-righteousness versus who live by a heart of purity towards God that just wants to follow it. Yeah, well, a lot of the difference. Well, a lot of people in the church think that, oh, I just need to keep my mouth shut. Well, that's not being a peacemaker. Now, I mean, there are times where you're like, best thing I can do, probably say nothing. But there's a difference in fighting and, you know, not not saying anything, but being bitter and then actually trying to be a peacemaker. I mean, being a peacemaker is difficult. Oh, it is. And me as a church leader through the years, all of us, but especially my role is, you know, there's conflict between people in the, in the body. And so I don't want to ignore it. We got to get together and figure out what we need to do here. And so mature people, you know, so we're challenged to get it right with your brother. If you can't get it right, bring in somebody to help you get it right. So that's the idea. You don't ignore it, which is what you were talking about. But in all this, as hard as it's difficult to see, God said, look, you want to be happy on earth. You want to be blessed. You have these qualities. Yeah. And at some point, you just got to take his word for it. As difficult as it is for every sinful nature inside of us to do the opposite, I think you trust God here. And look, he gets to the end. Very seldom does he ever say, look, you do this, you're going to be rewarded. That's right. I mean, he actually just comes out and says, there's reward for having these qualities in your life. Who, yes. doesn't, who doesn't like a reward? Exactly. All right, we'll get more get back into it next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.